Good morning. We can do better than that. Good morning. If we haven't met somewhere along the way, my name is James McNeil and my wife Samantha and our little boy William, we have been a part of Redstone for the last couple of years and we, Samantha and I, serve with a ministry at ETSU called The Well, one of Redstone's local ministry partners and I can't say thanks enough for all that Redstone does to partner with us to reach college students for Christ. Our pastor and my good friend Spencer is still on vacation. Spencer and I went to college together, and I I knew Spencer before Spencer knew Jesus, so I could have lots of stories to tell you about Spencer, but because he is my brother in Christ and one of my dearest friends, I will not do that. This morning he asked me to kick off a series of messages that we're going to be, he's going to be taking us through this summer on the book of Jonah, and that series is going to be happening in here, but it's also going to be happening with our kids back in Camp Redstone. And listen, if you haven't been back there, you should go and look at the setup. This morning, I got here a little bit early, and I came in, and I walked in there, and I was just like, praise the Lord. Thank you for people that love my kids, or love my kid, and loves Jesus, and want my kid to love Jesus, and will go to all stops to help them understand about more, more about who he is. So if you haven't been back there, go and check it out before you leave this morning. And so this morning we're starting a series on the book of Jonah, and one thing that we can know for certain about Jonah is that he was a man on the run. And when you think about that phrase, on the run, I don't know about for you, but for me, a lot of things come to mind. The first thing I think of is Looney Tunes. You guys remember Roadrunner? Roadrunner was always on the run, right? Why? Because Wile E. Coyote was always in hot pursuit, right? What about that hit movie of the ages, Forrest Gump? You remember him? He was on the run. One day he decided to leave his home in Greenbow, Alabama, and he ran to one end of the country, and then he ran to the other end of the country, and then when he got tired, he said, I think I'll go home. Forrest Gump was a man on the run. Or maybe if you're like me, maybe when you think of the phrase on the run, you think about your childhood, and you think about all those times that you ran away from home for some ridiculous thing that your parents made you do, like maybe eat Brussels sprouts for dinner. Just by a show of hands, how many of you, when you were a kid, either thought about or packed your bag and walked out the front door? Anybody? All right, yeah, tons of us. Here's how it played out for me. I, I had this little suitcase. It was a little blue suitcase, and it had a little boy on it, and it said, going to grandma's. And any time my mom would get... You know, she would do something ridiculous like make me clean my room or make me eat Brussels sprouts. I'd get out my little blue suitcase because I was mad. And I would put all my stuff in that little suitcase. And, you know, kids walk so they want everybody in the house to hear what they're doing. I made my way out the front door. And, And then you let the door slam just a little bit harder so everybody knows where you're going. You know what I'm talking about? And so then I made my way to the end of the driveway. And I know my mom and my dad are standing in the window watching and wondering, what's he going to do next? The problem is, is when I got to the end of the driveway... I never knew whether I was to go right or I was to go left. 
And so I put my suitcase on the ground, and I'd sit there for just a minute. And then eventually I'd get back up. I'd take the walk of shame, and I'd walk right back in the front door. <laughs> Anybody else with me on that? I guess, okay, thank you. One, one. So obviously, when we begin to look at the book of Jonah, one of the things that we're going to find about Jonah is that Jonah was a man on the run. And when we begin to look at this book, what, what we see is that it's full of people who live their lives on the run. People who ran from God. None, of course, were more famous than Jonah. But the truth is, is if we could really be honest about our lives, many of us find ourselves on the run as we begin this series this morning. And maybe it's just in one little area of our lives. But God has put His finger on a specific area of our lives and said, go this direction, and we've chosen to go the other. And we're on the run. This morning, we're going to talk about what it looks like to live our lives on the run. And more specifically, we're going to do that by looking at the book of Jonah. Now, let me just address something before we start this series. I know what some of you are already thinking. James, I, I remember the story of Jonah from VeggieTales. I remember the story of Jonah from the flannel graph storyboard way back in Sunday school. You guys remember that? C come on, James. I, I know the story. Jonah got swallowed up by a giant fish, and he spent three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish. C come on, James. D do you really believe that story? Isn't it more just a parable? A good story for us to, to take understanding from. Well, the truth is, is it's not written like a parable. The book of Jonah contains actual historical events, names, dates, things that actually took place in human history. On top of that, 750 years later, when Jesus walked the planet, he said that the life and ministry of Jonah was a prophetic sign pointing to his own ministry. And if you want to look that up, you, you can find that in Matthew 12, chapter 40, or chapter 12, verse 41, and in Luke, chapter 11, verse 30. Jesus believed the story of Jonah. And because Jesus believed it, you can believe it too. And so with that in mind, if you have your Bible, I'd like with you to turn with me, please, to the book of Jonah. And as you're turning there, I'd like to share a little bit of background information. The, the thing is about Jonah, we, we don't have a ton of background information on who he was or where he came from. But what we do know is that he was a leading voice. He was a leading prophet in Israel at the time that they needed to hear a word from God. In fact, we find in 2 Kings chapter 4 that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And Israel's great enemy to the north were the Assyrians. They were a massive nation, a massive army. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah that the Assyrians were going to invade Israel and absolutely annihilate them. And so Jonah went to the king and he told the king, look, we've got to shore up our northern borders because the Assyrians are coming in. They're going to take us out. And so the king followed Jonah's word from the Lord. And he shored up the northern border. 
And Jonah became a national hero because he had brought freedom and security to all of Israel. And as we pick up our story this morning, another word of the Lord is about to come to Jonah. Look with me at Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying... I want to pause right there for just a moment. As we begin this series this morning... I believe that the word of the Lord is going to come to us this summer just as it came to Jonah. The word of the Lord is going to come to us. The only question is, how will you and I respond? His word will come. How will we respond? As we begin this series together this morning, there are at least four things we need to see from Jonah chapter 1. And the first thing that we need to see, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. God often asks you to do very difficult things. The first thing we need to see from God's Word this morning is that God often asks you to do very difficult things. So in verse 1, the Word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise! Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So God says to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to tell them to turn from their wicked ways and to turn to me. Now I want you to think with me for just a moment. Who did I tell you just a moment ago was Israel's great enemy to the north? Assyria. You know what the capital city of Assyria was? Nineveh. God says to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And I want you to tell them to turn from their wicked ways and turn to me. Now here's the thing about Nineveh. Nineveh was a sprawling city. At the time of the the writing of the book of Jonah, there was about 2 million people in Nineveh. On top of that, it was an advanced city. They were said to have walls around Nineveh that were at points 100 feet tall. On top of that, the the city walls were, were so large that you could ride three chariots simultaneously side by side across that wall. It was massive in nature. Not only was the city huge, not only was it developed, but the Ninevites, they were incredibly violent, brutal people. They developed this art of killing their enemies. When their enemies would invade, they would literally skin them alive. They would remove the skin from their body. And they would bury them in sand while they're still alive up to their neck. And then they would pull their tongues out of their mouths. And they would drive a stake through their tongues and leave their enemies to die in the desert of starvation and thirst. On top of that, when their enemies were dead, they would come back and they would chop off their heads. And they would form a mountain of these decapitated heads outside of the city walls to say to anyone that might invade Nineveh, if you come here, this is happening to you. 
And these are the people that God has sent Jonah to. And likely, some of the people that Jonah knew and loved had been victims of Ninevite cruelty. And God says, I want you to go there. Listen, God often asks us to do very difficult things. But if you read on throughout the book of Jonah, what we find in Jonah chapter 4 is that the reason that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh It wasn't because he was afraid of failure. He didn't want to go there because he was afraid of being a victim of Ninevite cruelty. He didn't want to go to Nineveh because he was afraid of success. He was afraid that the Ninevites would actually hear the word of the Lord and turn to him and God would forgive them of their sins. And he didn't want that because the Ninevites were their enemies to the north. And he was a national hero because he had brought freedom and independence to all of Israel by telling the king to shore up the northern border. Listen, Jonah didn't want to not go to Nineveh because he was afraid of failure. He didn't want to go because he was afraid of success. You know, we hear this story and and it's easy to think a hard word came to Jonah. But Jonah just should have obeyed the Lord. I want you to think about this for just a moment. Think about where modern day Nineveh is. Modern day Nineveh is Mosul, Iraq. And I want you to think for a moment about all the things that are going on in Mosul right now. The Ninevites, they were the great, 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 great grandfathers of terrorist groups like ISIS and the Taliban. And these were the people that God was sending Jonah to. And here's the thing, friends. This morning, and as we walk throughout this series this summer, as the word of the Lord comes to us, often He asks us to do very difficult things. And maybe as we walk throughout this series, he'll put his finger on one little area of our lives and say, I want you to follow me here. You've refused to follow me here. And we say, God, I want to trust you. I want to believe you for that. But I'm not there yet. Maybe later. Well, here's the truth. Delayed obedience is disobedience. The first thing we need to see this morning is that often God asks us to do very difficult things. Second thing we need to see from God's word this morning is that if you want to run from God, there will always be a ship headed in the opposite direction. If you want to run from God and his purposes and plans for your life, there will always be a ship headed in the opposite direction. Verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. He went totally the opposite direction and he went to Tarshish. 
he went to Tarshish to run from the presence of the Lord. Which is actually pretty funny when you stop and think about it. Because it's literally impossible for us to run from the presence of the Lord. Why? Because God is omnipresent. And he is everywhere that we could possibly go. But Jonah did everything in his power to run from the presence of the Lord. Carry on in verse 3. He went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So check this out. God told Jonah, go to Nineveh. Instead, he went to Tarshish. This is 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. One commentator says it would have taken Jonah approximately one year to make it to Tarshish. So he's going one year worth of travel in the opposite direction. And here's the thing, guys. As the word of the Lord comes to us this summer, and as he at times asks us to do very difficult things, if you want to run from the presence of the Lord, there will always be a ship headed in the opposite direction. You need to understand, just as the word of the Lord comes to us, there is a very present enemy on the scene who wants you to try to run from the presence of the Lord. And so here's how it works. Ladies, maybe in your marriage you you are feeling emotionally disconnected from your husband. If you want to run from the presence of the Lord and you want to run away from your family, there will always be a man to return your flirts. Fellas, if you want to let your mind go wild, your computer is always available. And there will always be a way around your internet filter. And perhaps you're in your marriage now and you're thinking, she just doesn't make me happy the way she once did. I think God really wants me to be happy. Maybe I'll go in this direction. You need to understand. If you want to run from the presence of the Lord, there will always be a ship headed in the opposite direction. But you need to understand, that is not God's ship. That is Satan's shipwreck. When the Word of the Lord comes to us, if you want to run from His presence, there will always be a ship headed in the opposite direction. So look what our boy Jonah does. He goes down to Joppa. And when he's in Joppa, he finds a ship there that's headed to Tarshish. And so he goes down into the bottom of the ship. And the Scriptures are emphasizing this word down. He's gone down to Joppa. Now he's down in the belly of this ship. He is running, trying to get away from the presence of the Lord. And you need to understand, often God asks us to do very difficult things. And if you want to run from His presence, there will always be a ship headed in the opposite direction. The third thing we need to see from God's Word this morning is this. Because of His mercy, God will often send a storm to get your attention. Because of His mercy, 
God will often send a storm to get your attention. Verse 4 says, but the Lord. These are three of the most amazing words in all of Scripture. But the Lord. You find them in the New Testament as well. Despite Jonah's disobedience, despite his wayward heart, but the Lord. Despite the fact that he tried to run away, but the Lord, verse 4, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Amidst Jonah's disobedience, when he's on that ship sailing to Tarshish, God sent a storm. And that storm was so fierce that it threatened to rip the boat entirely apart. But here's the thing you need to see. Some people believe that this storm is about God's wrath. But that couldn't be further from the truth. This storm is about God's mercy. You see, when God's children run away and He does nothing to bring them back, that's God's wrath. But God's mercy is that when we run away and we run the opposite direction, in His mercy, He sends a storm into our lives to draw us back into His presence. And there Jonah is, by God's mercy, even though he's running as far as he can from the presence of the Lord, because of His mercy, because He loves Jonah, He sent a storm to get His attention. And so verse 5 tells us, Then the mariners were afraid. (laughs) Now you know it's a bad storm when guys who live on a ship for a living are afraid, right? The mariners are afraid. And each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. These guys are freaking out. They are terrified of this storm. And so they start picking up the cargo, a.k.a. their prophets, and they start pitching them into the sea. They're absolutely devastated by the storm that's taking place. The verse goes on to say, But Jonah, Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, and he'd lain down. Here's that word again. First he went down to Joppa. Now he went down in the ship. Now he's laying down. Closed his eyes because he's trying to get away from the presence of the Lord. And so it tells us, as he has lain down, he was fast asleep. This word asleep in the Hebrew means he was in a deep, deep sleep. What the scriptures are trying to tell us is that Jonah was in the middle of a spiritual disaster. First he'd gone down to Joppa to get away from the Lord. Then he'd gone down in the ship to get away from the Lord. Now he had laid his body down and closed out his mind and his spirit and gone to sleep because he's running from the Lord. And what the scriptures are telling us is that he is in the middle of a spiritual disaster. And the reality is, because of our disobedience, many of us find ourselves in that same place today. We have run from God and run from God. And we're in the middle of a spiritual disaster. Why? 
Because sin is progressive in nature. Just as Jonah kept going further and further and further down, sin is progressive in nature. Think about it this way. Promiscuous lifestyle as an adult, quite possibly it began with a pornography addiction in high school. Why? Because sin is progressive in nature. A hardened heart at age 50, possibly it began as you rejected the authority of Scripture in your 30s. Why? Because sin is progressive in nature. And Jonah is fast asleep. He has disobeyed God. And now he's in the middle of a storm sent by God's mercy to get his attention. And so verse 6 says, So the captain came to him and said, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So the captain of the ship came down to Jonah and said, Wake up! What are you doing? Wake up and call out to your God. Perhaps he'll save us from this storm. And then all the mariners, they begin to cast lots. To use our vernacular, they drew straws. To see whose fault the storm was. Whose disobedience had brought about the storm. And every time Jonah drew the short straw. And it was obvious that it was because of Jonah's disobedience that the storm had come. Jonah had been busted by God. And here's the deal. If you're running from God... As we walk throughout this series this summer, my prayer for you is that God would bust you too. And by that, I don't mean you any harm. I don't mean that I hope God harms you, but what I do mean is I pray that He exposes your sin, that He might draw you back into relationship with Himself. That's what's going on with Jonah. And so in verse 8 it says, They said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and they said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. You see, your disobedience and my disobedience, it not only impacts our lives, but it impacts the lives of everyone around us. That's what was going on with Jonah. These mariners were about to go down with the ship because of Jonah's disobedience. Friends, your friends, your family, our church is impacted as a direct result of your sin. Our friends, our family, our church are not all that God intends them to be because of our disobedience. You see, our sin doesn't just impact 
impact us. It impacts the lives of everyone around us. And listen, one of the greatest gifts you can give your friends and your family and your coworkers is your own personal purity. Your own personal relationship with Jesus that's marked by holiness. Why? Because your sin not only impacts you, but it impacts everyone around you. And that's what's going on with Jonah and these mariners who are about to go down with the ship. Verse 11, then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, The men rode hard to get back to dry land. These men didn't want to throw Jonah into the sea, even though he had told them, it's a direct result of my disobedience that this storm has come. They didn't want to throw him into the sea, so they start rowing harder and harder and harder, and they're trying to make their way to dry ground. But verse 14 goes on to tell us, verse 13 tells us, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. So verse 14 says, Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Check this out. Even though Jonah's disobedient, (laughs) these mariners are stopping and they're praying to Jonah's God. Even in Jonah's disobedience, God is using him to point lost sinners to himself. So I don't know about you. I would far rather be obedient and have God use me than be obedient and be in a ship that's about to go down and have God use me there. Anybody with me on that? Even in his disobedience, God is using Jonah to draw lost sinners to himself. And so verse 16 says, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Even in his disobedience, God is using Jonah to draw lost sinners to himself. Which brings us to the last thing I want us to see this morning. Not only does God often ask us to do difficult things, not only if you want to run from the presence of the Lord, will there always be a ship headed in the opposite direction. Not only does God often send a storm to get our attention But the fourth and final thing that I want us to see this morning is that life is found in surrender. Life is found in surrender to the purposes and plans of God. Remember what Jonah said in verse 12? They asked him, how do we stop this storm? Jonah said, throw me into the sea. Jonah said, throw me in. And so verse 15 says, So they picked up Jonah, and they hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Think about how terrifying that must have been for Jonah. (laughs) To realize that it was because of his disobedience that this massive storm had come. Think about that. Think about how terrifying it had to have been for Jonah For Jonah to say, I know how to stop it. Just throw me into the sea. But when Jonah said, throw me into the sea, essentially what he was saying is, is, 
I surrender. I surrender to the purposes and plans of God for my life. And if he wants me to die, I'll die. And if he wants me to live, I'll live. And when Jonah was thrown into the sea by the mariners, the sea was silenced. And life came to Jonah. And the question somebody's going to ask is, well, how could life come when you're thrown in the middle of the sea? Well, we're going to pick up the story there next time. But the short story is, is God sent a giant fish to be Jonah's delivery to dry ground. And for three days and three nights, Jonah and the Lord did business in the belly of that well. And after three days, he delivered him onto dry ground. So let me ask you a question. Is it possible? Maybe it's just in one little area of your life. But is it possible that you're running from God? You see, life comes as we surrender, as we say, Lord, your will, your way, always. When we say yes to the purposes and plans of God, we find the one for whom our souls are made. We find life. We find joy. We find purpose and meaning in life. We find the life that we're created to live. And so let me just ask you, as we begin this series this summer, is it possible, maybe it's just in one little area of your life, but is it possible that you are running from God? Maybe you're holding on to jealousy. Perhaps you're running from the Lord, gripping to jealousy with all you've got, and the Lord is saying, let it go. Maybe you're running from the Lord and you're living in anger and bitterness because of things that have happened to you in the past. And the Lord is saying, let it go. Forgive. Perhaps you're running from the Lord in terms of your dating relationship. And you're sticking in that relationship with all you've got. And God's saying, get out. I have something better for you in store. Trust me. Perhaps you're running from God in terms of your finances. You've refused to trust God with your money. You've refused to give back a portion of what's already His to the purposes and plans and the building of His church. And He's saying, come on, trust me. Perhaps you're running from the Lord in terms of your vocation. He's told you to go this way and you were disobedient and you're running this way. And He's saying, come on, trust me. Could it be that perhaps he's calling you into vocational ministry and you've said, there's no way I'm going to do that. Send me anywhere else, but I'm not going there. Could it be that you've been obedient to God in every area of your life except one little area and you are running from the Lord? You see, that's what Jonah was trying to do. But Jonah knew he couldn't run from the presence of the Lord. This word presence in Hebrew is the word panem. And it means face. What Jonah was trying to do was he was trying to run from the face of God. He was trying to run from communion with God. 
He knew he couldn't run from God's presence. He knew that God was everywhere. But you can abandon fellowship with God. And the same is true with us. You and I can never run away from God. He is everywhere. But certainly we can abandon fellowship with Him. And so I ask you one more time, is it possible? Maybe it's just in one little area of your life, but is it possible that you are running from God? Friends, life comes through surrender. Life comes as we say, your will, your way, always. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know where I'm going. But I want you to know my answer to you is yes. My yes is on the table. My life is on the table. My family's on the table. My finances are on the table. Everything I have to offer, my gifts, skills, talents, and abilities, they're on the table. Yes to you. Yes, Lord. Wherever it is that you want me to go, whatever it is that you want me to do, my answer to you is is yes. And when we make that proclamation to the Lord, we find the one for whom our souls are made. We find intimacy with the God who made us for our Himself. We find the one that we desire. We find the life that we we're created to live. We find life, meaning, and purpose. And so I ask you, is it possible that maybe just in one area of your life, you are saying no to God? Friends, life comes through Surrender. But you know that's only possible because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, found Himself in the garden. He knew the moments that were about to come. He knew that a Roman guard was about to come And arrest him and try him and convict him for crimes that he didn't commit. And the scriptures tell us that literally he was sweating drops of blood. He knew what was to come. The agony before him was fierce. And he said, Lord, is is there any way that this cup could pass from me? Is there any other plan to redeem humans? Is there any other way to draw men and women into a relationship with you? Lord, is there any other way? And he came to a point of surrender and he said, not my will, but your will be done. Father, glorify your name. Friends, it's only possible for you and I to come into relationship with a God that we have abandoned, that we have walked out on, that we have, be, that we have betrayed, because Jesus Christ shed His blood to forgive lost sinners. You know, it's easy to think that as we start this book of Jonah, it's, it's easy to think that this book is full of a bunch of different stories about a bunch of different things. It's easy to think that this book is about a bunch of different heroes. But the reality is, is this book is about one story. There's lots of stories that point to one story. It's not about a bunch of heroes. It's about a bunch of heroes that point to one hero and his name is Jesus. And the book of Jonah points to the one that the story is ultimately about. 
the book of Jonah points to Jesus. Check this out. The word of God came to Jonah. But Jesus, Jesus came as the word of God. You see that? The word of God came to Jonah. But when Jesus walked the earth, Jesus came as the word of God. Jonah points to Jesus. Jonah ran from the Lord's presence. But Jesus came to bring the Lord's presence. Jonah was a sinner who ran from God. But Jesus, he's the God who runs after sinners. Jonah came as a Hebrew sinner. Jesus, he came as the Hebrew Savior. Jonah, he slept in a stormy boat because he was overwhelmed. Jesus slept in a stormy boat because he was at peace. Jonah couldn't tell the storm to be calm. But Jesus, he commanded the wind and the waves to be still. Jonah was thrown into the sea because of God's mercy. Jesus was thrown into the ground to appease God's wrath. The pagans, they sought to save Jonah's life. But the pagans, they sought to end Jesus' life. Because of the ministry of Jonah, some were saved from one nation. Because of Jesus, multitudes are saved from every nation. Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. Jesus was in the grave for three days and three nights. Jonah needed a Savior. Friends, Jesus is the Savior. And life comes when we say, Lord, I will not run from you anymore. Your will, your way, always. Life comes through surrender. And in just a moment, we're going to share in believers' communion together. And we're going to come to the table as believers in Jesus Christ. But perhaps before we come to the table you find yourself in a place of running from the Lord. Maybe you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the very first time. Listen, He died on Calvary's cross to set you free, to make a way for you to come into relationship with a holy God. Or perhaps in just one area, or maybe two areas of your life, right now, when you take an honest look at your life, you're on the run. Perhaps this morning you need to say, I surrender. I want to encourage you, but before you take the bread and the cup, to just say to Him, Lord, I don't want to run from You anymore. I want intimacy with You. I want communion with You. I want to walk with You. I want to know You. I know that life and joy and, and contentment is found in You. And so perhaps you'll just need to find a place in the room and, and bow before the Lord and 
and humble your life before him. This morning we're starting something different. A couple of the members of our community care team are going to be over here by the door. They're going to be here to pray with you, a male and a female. And if you find yourself running from God today, and you just need to be honest with that. And you need to say to somebody, I need you to hold me accountable. I need you to walk alongside of me. I need you to pray for me. These people are going to be over here to pray with you, to love you, to give you a hug and say we're in this together. And so you seek them out. And then when you're ready... Come to the table and grab the the bread and the cup and celebrate that it was because of Christ's death, because of Christ's sacrifice, although we have run from God and abandoned God, we can come into fellowship with a holy God because His sacrifice on our behalf. And the reason that we do that is because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, Just hours before his crucifixion, there at the table, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this bread is my body, which will be broken for you. Whenever you eat it, do it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after he had given thanks, he took the cup. And he said, this cup represents a brand new covenant, which will be written in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. For for as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your pursuit of Jonah. Thank you for your pursuit of me. Thank you that although I am disobedient and wayward, sinful, that you don't leave me in my sin, you don't leave me in my sleep, but you pursue me, and you come after me, and often you send a storm into my life to get my attention. Father, I pray for those in this room who are disobedient and running from you right now, that God, you would grab their attention. And you would move them to a point of obedience. Perhaps for some of them, it's for the very first time. And today, they need to place their faith and trust in you and receive the gift of salvation. May it be so. But for those of us, Lord, who are hanging on to anger and jealousy and bitterness and pride and lust and disobedience, would you drive us to our knees today, Lord? And it's a difficult thing to ask, but if it requires a storm, I ask you to bring it. Because we know storms are a result of your mercy because you, Father, discipline those you love. Father, because of your mercy, you draw us to repentance. Because of your kindness, you draw us to yourself. And so, Lord, as we come to the table this morning, as those of us who have been set free as a result of your blood, Lord, we take the bread and we drink the cup remembering your sacrifice on our behalf. Would you remind us that these are holy moments and we do this in remembrance of you. In the name of Jesus, I pray and ask these things. Amen. You come as you're ready.